Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and on this episode of Full Rigor, I'm going to explore one of the most notorious murders in Southwest Florida. Now, I am in West Palm Beach, right next to Palm Beach, right next to Mar-a-Lago, where the president has his winter home. He's actually now a resident of Palm Beach County. But the West Coast is a lot different from the East Coast of Florida. Florida is an interesting state in that it's a peninsula, so and it's got ocean all the way around it. And the ocean on the west coast of Florida is really prettier, I think, than the east coast. It's more aqua blue teal, and the sand is like white sugary sand. It's beautiful. And I'm going to tell you about a murder of a doctor in Bonita Springs. Now, Bonita Springs in southwest Florida is known for its Gulf Coast beaches and parks and there's secluded Little Hickory Island Beach Park and Bonita Beach Park and some sand dunes there. So nearby to the north is Lover's Key State Park, a popular swimming and kayaking spot. And also nearby is Boca Grande. It's an island owned by the DuPonts. I got married there. Actually, it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, so it's really pretty over on the West Coast. They have, they have a hammerhead shark that hangs around the marina in Boca Grande, and his name is Old Hitler. <laughs> anyway, so the West Coast of Florida, obviously, it's on the West Coast, so you get the sunset. So it's really beautiful to see the sun setting over the ocean. Over here on the East Coast, we get a sunrise, but not a sunset. So it's really quite lovely on the West Coast of Florida. So I'm going to tell you now about the murder of Dr. Teresa Sievers. She was 46 years old, and she was a well-known holistic medicine physician in Bonita Springs, Florida. She was married to Mark Sievers. They had two daughters. She had a very strong personality. One patient actually said that Teresa had saved her life by teaching her how to live healthy, but she got aggressively mad when she didn't exercise. The doctor would say, you're supposed to exercise three times a week and you're obviously not doing it, pointing at her stomach. Well, you know, Teresa was no twiggy herself. She, you know, could have lost a few pounds. But anyway, not to speak ill of the dead. Teresa Sievers ran a holistic medical practice. It was called Restorative Health and Healing Center with her husband. And he was Mr. Mom. They had two daughters, so he would really take care of them. She had a TV show. She gave lots of lectures. She was really branching out and she really wanted to help people live healthy because she was actually an internal medicine physician. That's what she went to medical school for. And then she got into the holistic side of stuff. And shortly before her death, she was profiled in a local women's magazine. She was really smart, very driven. Again, she was a doctor of internal medicine. She shifted her focus to holistic medicine and she really wanted to help people through the media And she was very high profile. So her death was a complete shock, especially to her patients, especially the way she died. And again, it was shocking for her two daughters. So Teresa was born in Connecticut. She was really smart. As I said, she was the valedictorian of her high school. And in 1996, she graduated from medical school in the Caribbean nation of Dominica. So, okay, well, it's not Guatemala. And she completed a residency at the University of Florida, which is very respectable. Now, her husband, Mark, was, I said, Mr. Mom, took care of the two daughters so that she could work and earn money. In fact, Teresa's sister, Anne, 
described her as a paradox. She said, quote, she was incredibly gifted, a brilliant doctor, and this incredibly Christian-like person. She just lived that way, she said. And she said, Teresa would give you the shirt off her back. She'd help strangers. She'd get up at two in the morning to do an evaluation on a homeless person. But yet she'd put on her five-inch heels and curl her hair, and she'd be swearing like a sailor and drinking. Well, you're going to find out a few other things about her, too, as well. I think that everyone has a file called Things Are Not As They Appear. Even Lady Diana, Princess Diana, the stuff going on in her life here, we thought she was this fairy tale princess married to Prince Charles. She was throwing herself down the stairs and Charles had Camilla on the side. Who is Harry's real father? We don't know. Things are never as they appear. So on June 28th, 2015, Dr. Teresa Seavers was beaten to death with a hammer while inside her Bonita Springs home. Authorities found her lying face down on the kitchen floor with the back of her head completely bashed in. I mean, it was a really bad crime scene. So who do you think killed her or who do you think had her killed? We always look at the husband, don't we? She was returning home from vacation and was not aware that there were two people in the house waiting for her and her husband was out of town. So his mom had been taking care of the home and the dog. She was in and out and she was sure that she had set the alarm. Police found someone had tampered with the back door. There were tool marks, but the door was still locked. And when Teresa didn't show up for work the next day, her body was discovered face down on the floor in the kitchen. Police determined somehow someone had struck her in the head with the hammer, crushed her skull. But it had to be somebody that knew her or knew how to get into the house because the alarm that the mother thought she set, she had set. And Evidence showed that it had been disarmed on Sunday morning, and Teresa had come home Sunday evening, and that's when she was killed. So who was accused of killing her? Well, you've got the husband, you've got some things going on in the marriage that police finally determined. The Seavers on the surface, you know, they looked like the Cleavers. The Seavers were the Cleavers. But when detectives started drilling down and Picking at the scab, the blood started to spill, and police asked Mark to come down to the station to answer questions. They asked him if either of them had cheated on each other, and he said no. Then they asked another series of questions, and the detective came back to the word cheating, and Mark said, well, what do you call cheating? And then he admitted that he and Teresa were swingers, and he didn't consider that cheating. He said that they had invited other women into their bedroom a few times. And Teresa said that it was okay if he slept with them on his own as long as he told her about it. Right. So Mark volunteered to give his phone, his cell phone, to the homicide detectives. And they found compromising photos and videos of nude women, Mark's conquests. And, of course, they had to track down tons of those leads, and those phone calls were very embarrassing, to say the least. Also, police found out that Mark, her husband, had a best friend, a look-alike, if you will. They looked alike. They both had a receding hairline, and they gave up on it and shaved their heads, and they both had a goatee. And Mark had flown to Missouri to be the best man in Curtis Wright's wedding. His name is Curtis Wayne Wright. He goes by Wayne. So, as I said, they even looked alike. And, you know, it's possible that Curtis had a bromance crush on Mark because he tried to emulate him. Well, after the wedding ceremony, Mark apparently spilled the tea about his own marriage. 
And according to authorities, Mark Seavers was the mastermind behind the killing, and he orchestrated the entire incident. And along with money issues, Seavers' journal, which investigators found, indicated he was unhappy in his marriage. And he had detailed his anger and frustration about his distrust of his wife, accusing her of almost cheating on him and betraying him. And he's the one that's got women on his phone. He's having sex with women on his phone in videos. It's like, what? He also reportedly wrote complaints on lack of sex in their marriage and how the relationship was likely over. He wrote, quote, it would be nice to share a small level of intimacy with whom I've considered the love of my life. Maybe, just maybe, our relationship is already over. I want intimacy, exclamation point. Not getting it, though. Well, when she's dead and cold in the ground, you're not going to get it either. And one thing I've determined while investigating these podcasts is never keep a diary or a journal because the police will find it and they'll know everything. So Curtis Wayne Wright really pissed off his new wife because right after the wedding, he took a road trip to Florida. But what for? She didn't know. And acting on a tip, police arrested two men in Missouri, Curtis Wayne Wright Jr. and Jimmy Ray Rogers, also known as Jimmy the Hammer. (laughs) Perfect. So those two were arrested in August 2015, and they were eventually charged with killing Seavers. And then December 2015, Mark Seavers, her husband, was arrested and accused of orchestrating the whole thing. So Wright eventually pled guilty to second-degree murder in February of 2016, and he got a 25-year sentence with the promise of helping prosecutors convict his childhood friend, Mark Seavers. So while in Missouri... For Wright's wedding in 2015, Mark Seavers told Wright that he was having problems with his wife, and he said that his wife was going to take his daughters away from him, and he couldn't afford to fight for custody, and so he didn't want to lose everything, so he asked him, would you kill her? I'll pay you, he said. So Wright testified that Mark Seavers told him that the only option that he had was for his wife to die. These two boneheads, you have Curtis and Jimmy Rogers, and on their trip to Bonita Springs, in fact, a friend had offered them a free plane ticket because he had extra miles, and they said, no, 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 we're going to drive. You know, they wanted to be discreet about it, incognito. Well, Jimmy Rogers, his friend, they met in jail. That should give you some kind of an idea who they are. (laughs) I mean, it's really like a scene out of Dumb and Dumber. These two really are not the ideal candidates that you want to hire to kill your wife. Lots of loose ends. So Roger's email was on the Garmin GPS found inside the rented car. They rented a car as well. And also police found a video in Fort Myers of Wayne and Jimmy at a Walmart the morning of the murder. Get this, they had bought a lock pick kit, a Budweiser t-shirt, sort of a souvenir. (laughs) My friend went to Bonita Springs and all I got was this Budweiser t-shirt large trash bags, and the GPS put them at the Seavers' house as well on that Sunday. The two thought they'd wiped it clean, but of course investigators were able to retrieve the data. Don't they watch forensic files? You can get data from anything, even if it's been wiped. So Curtis's trip to Bonita Springs had Jimmy Rogers' email on the Garmin. Fort Myers police found video of Wayne and Jimmy at the Walmart the morning of the murder buying all that stuff. And after investigating the case for several months, the detectives were able to arrest 47-year-old Curtis Wayne Wright, 
who was the lookalike for Teresa's husband, Mark, and who was his childhood friend. And police also arrested Jimmy Rogers, who's 25 at the time, and charged him in connection with the murder. I mean, Rogers didn't even have to be in the car with him. He was just went on a road trip. Apparently, Curtis Wayne didn't want to go by himself, so he recruited this numb nuts to come with him. He said, maybe you can pick up a job while you're in Florida and make some money, but, you know, just come down with me to Florida. You can drink some beer, have a good time, and help kill my friend's wife. And the really oddball thing is that Curtis Wayne ends up getting 25 years in prison because he flips on his best friend, Mark Seavers, and room temperature IQ Jimmy Rogers gets life in prison. Of course, he did do most of the damage with the hammer, and he also blabbed about it to his girlfriend. Police took a trip up to Missouri and talked to her, and she said that he confessed to her one night. After she found out about Seaver's wife's death, she asked him if he had anything to do with it because she knew he had gone down to Florida, and he spilled the beans, and he confessed to killing Teresa with a hammer, and she said he was proud of it. And she says his nickname, he's called Jimmy the Hammer. And she knew about the evidence, like the Budweiser t-shirt she showed police there. It was hanging in the closet. She also said he threw a coverall jumpsuit out of a moving car. And she took police to the area where he threw it out and they found it. And they also were able to find trace evidence like fibers that tied him to the scene of the murder on the coveralls. So apparently once these two started singing... It was really horrific what happened with the murder. They said that they were waiting in the house and really hadn't thought things through, obviously. And they really hadn't thought about a murder weapon. They were actually going to use their hands and strangle her. But when she got home, they grabbed a hammer. And of course, Jimmy is called Jimmy the Hammer. (laughs) And she was in the kitchen. They came up behind her when she turned Curtis said he bashed her in the side of the head and then Jimmy took the hammer and went nuts on her head and beat the shit out of her. But they did say that the last thing she said before she died was why? Why? And it's believed that she must have thought that Curtis was her husband, Mark, because they looked so much alike. The bald head, the goatee, they looked exactly alike. If you go to my Instagram page, Full Rigor Podcast Instagram, you'll see a picture of both of them. Now, Rogers was indicted on first-degree murder, and in 2019, he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. So remember, you have also Curtis, who pled guilty and flipped on his best friend. He got 25 years in prison. So there's a little bit of a disparity there. And then Mark Seavers, who wasn't even home at the time of the murder, well, he eventually, first he was charged with second-degree murder, and his daughters were very, very happy because they didn't want him to be put on death row, but the charges were amended to first-degree, and he is now sitting on death row for the death of his wife. So prosecutors amended the charges to conspiracy and first-degree murder. Those are words you never want to hear. Indictment, conspiracy, inoperable, those are just bad words. So Sievers continued his stance that he had nothing to do with the murder, but things just kept leading back to him. So apparently the motive behind the killing stemmed from money, not so much that he wasn't getting enough sex. And court documents indicate the couple had five life insurance policies totaling over $4 million. Just follow the money. And they were reportedly living paycheck to paycheck prior to the doctor's murder. And it was really obvious that the suspects and Mark had gone to a great deal of effort and energy to cover their tracks and throw police off. 
And even on the day of Dr. Seavers' funeral, a witness who wanted to remain anonymous said that they spotted Seavers, the husband, at his wife's medical practice, tossing out computers and related materials in the trash. Also, his friend Curtis Wayne flew back to Bonita Springs to help with the funeral arrangements and to comfort Mark and the children. How disgusting is that? Mark's mother hosted Wayne and his wife after the funeral, and he was hugging the dead lady's kids. I mean, gosh. In 2016, the couple's two children, ages 9 and 11 at the time, were placed in the care of the Florida Department of Children and Families. They were removed from a once comfortable home that they enjoyed, outdoor pool and a fenced-in yard and a seemingly happy mommy and daddy. So a jury eventually convicted Mark Seavers of first-degree murder and conspiracy and recommended death, and Judge Bruce Kyle affirmed it. So Wright accepted a plea deal in exchange for his testimony, and he got on the stand and testified against his best friend and told the jury how he and Roger killed Teresa. Her sisters cried when he described the beating, and her last words were, why? Mark's mom blamed herself for not adequately setting the alarm, but she had done so. She always had problems with it, but she had said it correctly. The killers went to the house early Sunday morning, and the evidence shows that the alarm was disarmed before Teresa got home from vacation that night. And these two rocket surgeons tried to cover up their crime by using burner phones. So Mark would text the word other, and so Curtis would know to switch to the burner phone, which would then ring a few minutes later. And of course, police got the phone records and were able to establish this pattern. And I think the funniest thing about these two guys trying to cover their tracks and wipe clean the Garmin and GPS and everything... They had stopped for Chinese food along the way from Missouri, and they actually left a Yelp review about the Chinese restaurant and that the dumplings were not satisfactory. (laughs) The dumplings sucked. So we call these types of people Flora Dopes. I just want to finish up this Full Rigor podcast by thanking each and every one of you who've been following my progress on Full Rigor. This is my 50th Full Rigor episode, and I'm very proud of it. And I want to thank you for listening to all the episodes. And this episode about Teresa Seavers being hit in the head with a hammer kind of harkens back to a lot of other episodes where a killer has used a hammer like Tyler Hadley in Jupiter who killed his parents with a hammer, hitting him in the head, and then locking the bodies in the bedroom and holding a huge house party. You know, it's really better to kill somebody by injuring or stopping the heart, apparently, because people survive very serious brain injury. The brain is an amazing organ. It repairs itself. It comes back and bypasses circuits that have been broken with new circuits. It's amazing. Remember the Central Park jogger who was part of the notorious wilding in Central Park? She was running in a Harlem area and she was part of the Central Park 5 case. Well, she suffered immense brain damage and Her then attacker, they finally figured out who it was, hit her in the head and face with a brick so many times. It broke her face and cranial facial bones and her eye even came out of the socket, but she survived. And so some people can survive brain injury and some people become sexual predators and serial killers while others become savants with a newfound ability to play an instrument to paint and draw, to solve insanely difficult math problems. But as I've outlined in several episodes of Full Rigor, there are sexual sadists and serial killers who did have childhood head trauma to the point where they were in a coma or they were knocked unconscious. And after the brain injury, they went from being normal to being these sexual predators. So there was a sample of 476 male sexual offenders seen at a university psychiatric hospital for a forensic assessment. And they were examined for the incidence of head trauma 
and injuries, and a total of 49% had sustained head injuries that led to unconsciousness, and of those, 22% sustained significant neurological insults. And a major causative factor was motor vehicle accidents, but lifestyle variables included alcohol and drug abuse, history of violence also contributed, and the brain-injured group was also convicted for a wide range of sexual offenses. So in spite of the serious legal implications for these men, psychologists and psychiatrists and professional literature have been basically silent on this subject, and it really requires more attention and study. So it is a problem, and you'll notice several of my podcasts, is mostly about serial killers, they did sustain a head injury. So in conclusion, diverse abnormal sexual behaviors can occur following a traumatic brain injury, and it would appear that hypersexual behaviors are more likely to occur during the early stages of recovery following the original insult. But not everybody who gets hit in the head turns into a sexual predator. There are people who receive a blow to the head and become suddenly genius. A number of these people miraculously developed artistic, musical, or mathematical abilities. There's Orlando Sorrell, who was struck in the head with a baseball when he was 10, and he found he could remember the weather for each day following his accident oh my gosh it was rainy in july oh on the fourth so then there's derek amato who woke up after hitting his head on the bottom of a pool and became a master pianist at the age of 40 He'd never played before despite lacking any sort of musical training and then there's alonzo clemens whose verbal and cognitive abilities stopped developing at the age of three due to a head injury but he can assemble incredibly detailed sculptures of animals in a matter of minutes it's just amazing what can happen to the brain but i think the bottom line is here, you know, Dr. Teresa Sievers, they beat her in the head with a hammer, killed her. But not all people die from that type of head injury. And you can either become a serial rapist and killer or you can become a fantastic artist or pianist or be able to reconcile quantum mechanics with general relativity, which beautifully accounts for gravity and all things that dominates orbiting planets, colliding galaxies, dynamics of the expanding universe as a whole. Then there's quantum mechanics, which handles the other three forces, electromagnetism and the two nuclear forces. And no, I haven't suffered a sudden blow to the head. I know you're bending spoons with your mind. Well, that wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks for joining me. I'm Karen Curtis. And until next time. The Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is here. Get a bacon or sausage egg and Swiss croissant plus a small seasoned potatoes. That's a better breakfast for just three bucks in three easy steps. One, wake up. Two, get out of bed. And three, head to Wendy's for your $3 breakfast deal. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hour. Select or request $3 breakfast deal in order to obtain discount. Not valid for all card or combos orders. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.